morning. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, Galatians 5, 16 through 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Amy. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Some of you know this. The second rule of Fight Club is that you do not talk about Fight Club. I um, think on days like this and uh, as we get up and talk and discuss about scripture, maybe as Christians, the rule should be reversed. Maybe, Maybe our rule, our Christian Fight Club rule should be that you do talk about Fight Club. The number one rule of Christian Fight Club is that you do talk about Fight Club. The number two rule of Christian Fight Club is that you do talk about Fight Club because that's what the Christian life is. It's, it's a fight. Um, we've been uh, trying to reference a few video games. We're not going to do that much of that today, but I thought if any video game uh, of the you know, recent history would work for today, it was Punch-Out, okay? Because that's the theme of the day. The, Christi- the life of a Christian is this constant tension that results in a fight. And maybe we don't talk about that fight enough because here, here's what I know. You lived your life this week. And if you look back on the days that you lived this week, there are some um, struggles that you had. There are some virtues that you thought, you know, that you aimed at in your head, but, but your reality did not really match up to what you wanted to do. You look back on Tuesday or Wednesday and you think, ah, oh, I wish I could rewrite how I said that, or I wish I could redo how I acted in that situation. So we all have this intent, right? We all want to grow up in our potential for love and joy and peace, and, but we don't often get it done. And that's the struggle. That's the fight of Christianity. And maybe we should talk about it more than we do. And so in our VBS series so far, what we started with was a story in the Old Testament, Abraham. And Abraham was promised a son, and that promised son pointed us to the real promised son, who was going to be Jesus. And then we talked about the second week, Josiah, and he rediscovered the word of God, and that rediscovery points us to 
forward to the word of life, the real word, um, Jesus. Uh, John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, right? And so then last week, Paul talked about Jesus, this promised son, this promised word, finally comes onto the scene in the first century. He goes to John the Baptist and he's baptized. And Paul talks about, Paul talked about last week that Jesus was baptized not because he needed saved, but because we needed saved. And Jesus's baptism points us to our need for a savior. It points us to the fact that we need to be rescued. And that's the great news of the gospel, that Jesus has come, his promised son, the promised word, and he has made a way to save us. That God has a rescue plan for us. And if you'll remember last week, Paul used a little cartoon uh, video about two, a brother and sister in a boat and they, they were sinking and all of a sudden a helicopter flies in and rescues them out of the boat. And that's a great picture for what Jesus has done for us, what God has done for us through Jesus, this rescue plan of his. And Jesus's baptism points to our own baptism, how we need to be rescued, how we need to be saved. And as we read through the New Testament, we, we find that if we want to be rescued, we need to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. We need to repent and we need to be baptized. And baptism is where God does his saving work, his rescue mission. Now, there's an important footnote in all of that rescue thing that's going on, and it's today's subject, and and it is this. Here's the footnote. Jesus had help. The rescue plan of God was fulfilled and accomplished by Jesus, but he had some assistance. Um, The author of Hebrews puts it, uh, he's arguing for something else, but he inserts a little phrase in chapter nine, verse 14, that really helps us. He says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so what the writer of Hebrews does almost accidentally is he gives us an insight to how Jesus was helped in this rescue mission. Jesus had help and the help we learn was the eternal spirit of God himself. Paul talked about the baptism of Jesus last week. And do you remember what came down out of heaven? It was not only God's voice, but it was the Holy Spirit who came down. And that spirit that rested on Jesus at his baptism was with him always in his life, always present, always helping, always guiding, always empowering Jesus to be able to do what he needed to do. And the spirit of the eternal God would enable Jesus to even endure a cross so that we could be rescued from sin. And that's the spirit's role to help. But he didn't end his job by helping Jesus. His job goes way beyond Jesus. And we get a sense of his ongoing purpose with a little Bible study. I'm not gonna waste a lot of time with going through these, but they're listed in your bulletin. We could go with John the Baptist. And he says, I baptized for forgiveness of sin, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he is meaning Jesus in Matthew chapter three, verse 11. And so John gives us a hint that we will have the spirit in in our own lives, just like Jesus did. We could go to what Jesus promised his disciples before he left the earth. In John chapter 16, he tells his disciples, I'm gonna leave, but and I'm going to the Father, but I will send someone to help you. This same eternal spirit that has been with me and helping, uh, been helping me. Jesus calls him the paraclete. And when I leave, he will come. And that term paraclete means 
It's, it's a legal advocate. It's one that, who will be by your side and who will defend you. Literally, the word means to walk alongside. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The, word, the Spirit walks alongside those of us who believe in Jesus and have trusted him. And he is our advocate. He defends us in front of God. Do you know what that means? It means that this last week, when you had that thing that you wanted to live into, but you failed, Satan's gonna come at you and point a finger and say, aha, look, I, I told you you weren't a Christian. You, you don't deserve to be in church and to call yourself, you don't deserve that label. Look at what you did this last week. That's what Satan's gonna do. The job of the spirit is to come alongside of us and remind us that it's not about us. It's not about our own efforts. It's not about our successes. It's not about our failures. It's about what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit stands beside us and says, remember that no matter what, you are God's child. Don't let Satan tell you any different. That's his job. That's his role. Uh, we could look at Acts chapter one and chapter two where Jesus has promised this Holy Spirit again. He says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit when I leave here in a few days and you will, re be, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And so what it means is that the Spirit will be in our lives. Uh, the Spirit will walk alongside us. He will be our advocate, reminding us of our position uh, before God because of what Jesus has done. We are sons and daughters. And because of that position, we will have the power and energy that we didn't have before to tell other people about God's rescue plan. And of course, all of those foreshadowings actually happen in Acts chapter two. The, uh, not too many days later, the believers are together and the Holy Spirit descends on them. And there's all kinds of miracles that take place. They, they begin to preach. They begin to tell about this rescue plan of God and people respond to Jesus and the church is off and running. And the coming of the Spirit is the beginning of the church. And from that first Pentecost Sunday until today, anytime somebody comes to Jesus through faith in baptism, they get this gift of the Holy Spirit, the same eternal God that enabled Jesus to endure the cross is now helping us. And so I say all that to say this, the Spirit that helped Jesus now helps you. That's what you have living inside of you to help you this week, today. Now, usually Jesus' rescue is at the end of the VBS week and everything leads up to that. But this time, uh, Jesus' rescue, his uh, salvation plan is at the middle of the week. And then the Thursday and Friday of VBS, they get to talk about how the Spirit helps us to live into this position that Jesus has won for us. And so, um, what God wants to do is not just rescue you. He wants to do much more than that. He wants to remake you. He wants to redo you. He wants a remodel would be a good word to put in here. Here's what faith in Jesus is. It's a lifelong tension between what God has already begun to bring about in your life and what has not yet been brought under God's grace. And that's the reason that there's such a fight because each one of us have a corner of our hearts that haven't yet been brought under God's grace. C.S. Lewis uh, says it this way. He says, I want you to imagine yourself as a house, <laughs> a living house. And I want you to imagine that you've invited God into your, house, into your, into your life, your house, and uh, you've thought, surely God will 
remake me and remodel me. And, and that's good because you understand at first what he's doing because there were some drains that were stopped up and he's fixing those. Okay, great. Uh, there were some leaky faucets and they're fi- fi- he's fixing those. And that, that's wonderful. You knew you, those jobs needed doing, so that's no big deal. But then he starts knocking out the house in such a way that hurts and it, it is, doesn't seem to make any sense What is he up to? And the explanation is that he is building quite a different house than what you thought he would. He's throwing on different new floors and adding wings and throwing up towers and building gardens and building courtyards. See, he doesn't want to live in the tiny cottage that you thought would be okay. He wants to live in a palace and that's what he's building inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Doesn't it make sense that he would want to live in the best house possible? And so the life of Christianity, the life of following Jesus is one of tension because you can't do a remodel project without a fight. I don't know if you've ever remodeled a room. Um, It doesn't matter how little you're doing. Maybe you're just painting the room. It always seems like in my case, there's 10 other projects that I gotta do along the way in order to get this room painted, right? You can't remodel anything without a fight. And if that's true in a room of your house, then it's infinitely more true spiritually. And so let's talk about this fight. Let's talk about fight club. Let's talk about the struggle, what the fight is all about. Let's talk about the strength, the incredible power that we have at our disposal that we may not be using. And then let's, let's throw out a strategy, a plan for the fight with some indicators that maybe we're fighting this fight really well, okay? First, the struggle. And to do this, we're gonna have to go way beyond Pentecost, way past Pentecost. We're gonna go to Galatians chapter five, where Paul kind of lines out how the spirit works and his role in the life of a believer. And there are three paragraphs that are in your bulletin that was read uh, earlier. Um, Verses 16 to 18, Paul says that the spirit and the flesh are at war. He says they are opposed to one another. They are against each other. Uh, If you're reading the NIV, it says they are contrary to one another. They are in conflict. What does that sound like? That sounds like a fight, right? And that's exactly what's going on. In the second paragraph, 19 to 21, he says there are indicators that you are losing the fight. If any of these things are evident in your life, then you might be losing the fight that you are trying to fight. And then the second list is the list of the fruit of the Spirit. There are an opposing list of identifiers that identify maybe we're winning the fight if if our life looks like the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. We might be winning the fight. And so the first thing I wanna just throw out there is this, that the presence of the fight means that you're in the right place. The presence of any fight any fight in your life, if you, you look back over the last few days and you think, oh, I wish I could have, or I wish I would have navigated that right, that is a sign that the Spirit is doing His work in you. If there's no fight at all, then that indicates that there's a lack of allegiance to grow. There's a lack of effort to grow. There's no, there's no um, desire to grow. There's no desire to use grace to minister, to bless other people. There's no desire to speak about Jesus to other people who need to hear. There's no fight in your life. That might be a bad indicator that the spirit isn't working. Do you want 
a fight in your life, here's, here's the first easiest way to get there. Just identify yourself as a Christian. Just say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then watch your life. There will be a fight. A fight will happen, and the fight will come quickly. In any real Christian, there's a fight going on. There's also peace, there's also joy, but there is a fight. There's a tension between the parts of your heart that are already surrendered to God and the parts of your heart that aren't. Here's the second help. Paul identifies who the enemy is in this struggle, in this fight. And it's not the enemy that you think. It's not Satan, it's not evil, it's not demons, it's not any of that. I want you to look very carefully at verse 16 and then also verse 18. Verse 16 says this. Paul says, the spirit is opposed to the sinful nature. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So the spirit is opposed to the sinful nature. Now, jump down to verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, the spirit is opposed. The enemy is is being under the law. Now, in both verses, the spirit is opposed to something. In verse 16, it's to the sinful nature. In verse 18, it's to being under the law. Go back to math class in high school. If A equals B, then B equals C, right? Uh, And no, I missed that. I messed that up. Don't tell Jeff Armstrong, okay? If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. There you go. Yeah, I finally, I didn't major in math. I I went to Ozark. I mean, I had 70 and 40 and 11 and 12 and three. That was about it. Okay, Um, the spirit is opposed to the sinful nature and the spirit is opposed to being under the law. And what that means is living in the flesh or following the sinful nature is equal to being under the law. And there's the enemy. That's what Paul has done for us. He's outlined the enemy. The obstacle to our life is we want more love, we want more joy, we want more peace, but the obstacle is that we are naturally inclined to live under the law. And that is the obstacle to more love, more joy, more peace. And that's, we have Paul to thank for this critical insight to what it means to walk and live in the flesh. The enemy of, uh, is to live in the flesh. That's the enemy. Now, what does that mean? Um, all of us are predisposed to a works kind of righteousness, standards that we try to live up to that make us feel righteous. Um, and righteous in the Bible just means acceptable. And so we do things in our lives to try to be acceptable to other people. What makes you feel acceptable to other people? Maybe one of the things that makes you feel acceptable to other people is um, success. If I succeed, if I do a good job here, then I will be acceptable to the other people in my life. And all of this talk is about the idols that are in your life, and they're different for everyone. So everyone has different things that they think will make them acceptable. Uh, Maybe your idol is accomplishment. If I can just accomplish this in my life, then I will be acceptable. If I can say, well done, good job then other people will love me and I'll be worth something. Maybe if you could, maybe you stand back and you say, if they like me, if that person, if I win their love, then I will feel acceptable. Maybe um, you might say, if I have that thing, then I would feel worthy and feel acceptable. It's different for everyone, but it's the same. If I don't have something, then 
other people won't find me acceptable, and by extension, God won't find me accept, acceptable, although we don't usually think that far. Because we're this way, what we do is we forget that our acceptability before God has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with Jesus. And so in every life event that we come to, there's literally two, only two choices, works-based or grace-based. Paul's way to phrase it is, we either live in the flesh or in the spirit. And the goal of the Christian life is to continually operate out of the grace-based side. And the spirit wants to help us do that. And therein lies the struggle. Therein lies the fight, okay? Now, what about the strength that we have to fight this fight that we may not be using? God sent his spirit to help you, but that's not quite enough. Um, uh, th that alone doesn't explain the whole deal. A lot of times we look at the, the second list. We look at this grace uh, list, the fruit of the spirit list, love, joy, peace, patience, and we think, oh yeah, I want more of that, but man, I'll never get there. Oh, I'll never, I'll never be as loving as so-and-so. I'll never live up to the peace that this person displays on a daily basis. I'll never get there. And I want to take you, some of you back to um, your junior high days, maybe late grade school days, and when you uh, could look down at your feet and your feet were three times the size that they needed to be for your body. Anybody live there? Two or three of you, okay? What did, what did people say to you uh, when you're flopping these, you know, huge things up and down the hallways or, or at home or out in the community, here's what they said. Don't worry, you'll grow into them. And what happened? You grew into your feet, right? Your size 13s became smaller and smaller and smaller and you grew bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And so one of the things that we need to understand is the Holy Spirit in us means that we already have everything we need to grow. It's not normal for us to ever get stuck. You didn't get stuck when you were in junior high with the huge feet, and we won't either. It's not normal for us to get stuck as Christians. It is, we have everything inside of us because the Holy Spirit is in us that we need to grow. And so we let the Holy Spirit do his work. And Paul says it this way, that we walk by the Spirit. One simple way to do that is to ask a question of every word, every deed, every action. Don't do it all at once. That's a little overkill, right? But pick an action, pick a word, pick a deed, and ask yourself this. Why did I do that? Why did I just say that? What is driving me to do that that way? Why am I doing this? So here, here's an example. Maybe a normal activity of life is that somebody asks you to complete a task, okay? That's a normal, um, normal thing you might, might do. When you ask this question, you begin to dig for your motives, okay? And if you're on the workspace side, if you're on the dead list side, uh, you, you would say this, hey, I want to do a great job. This person has asked me to do a job. I want to do a great job because if I succeed at it, if it's done on time, if it's done well, if it's done on budget within specs, then I will please other people. I'll please the client or I'll please the boss or I'll please my spouse. And then when I please those other people in my life, I will know that I'm acceptable. That's the workspace, okay? Let's move over to walking by the Spirit. 
if we operate out of the spirit side, we will say this. You know what? I'm, somebody's asked me to do a, a job and I'm going to do a great job. Notice that they're doing the same thing either way you come at it. You're doing a great job, right? But on the spirit-based side, we say, I want to do this great job because God gave me these talents to be able to do it. And I wanna please him. And pleasing him will have the added benefit of enriching the lives of the people around me. But this is why he put me here on earth. And so I'm going to do the best job that I can. And if I fail, that's okay, because I'm still accepted through Jesus. If I succeed, that's great too, because God has helped me succeed. Do you see in the first way how, how much pressure there might be? And in the second way, how much freedom there might be. That's Paul's point in the whole letter of Galatians, to live in such a way that you experience the freedom that you've been given in Jesus. And so let's think about the fruits as you think about that job that you do. Maybe if you're coming from the workspace side, uh, well done, you did a great job, might lead you to pride. Or man, you didn't do that very well at all, that might lead you to envy. Let's just take the success side. Let's say you're very successful at doing this job. That pride that you get might lead you to arrogance and say, I'm, every, I'm better than everybody else at this. It might lead you to self-reliance. I did this on my own, which is always a lie. It might lead you to refuse to listen to others because my way works, period. We're gonna do it my way. Uh, it might lead you to a constant need to have your ego stroked. Yes, you are the greatest because you can do a really good job, it, which, needs, uh, which leads to you needing more kinds of affirmation, which leads to other things on the dead list like sexual immorality, debauchery, impurity, all from a simple desire to do a good job. Do you see? On the other hand, if I'm led by the Spirit, the fruit of being led by the Spirit is peace, no matter what the outcome is. Because I'm doing the job that God has created me to do, and I'm doing a great job in order to honor Him. And when you have God in your life, you have heaven, you have the Holy Spirit, you have the assurance of salvation. And so whatever the results are of you doing this job, whether you succeed or fail, it does not change who you are. The actions are exactly the same but it's the motive that determines the fruit. And that's what it looks like to live by the flesh or live by the spirit. And Paul says, oh, it's so much better over here to walk by the spirit. So how do I successfully do that? Uh, let's lay it, throw out a little strategy and uh, just really quickly, here's the plan to help me live and walk in the spirit. Number one, recognize the fight. Recognize that it is ongoing. It will never end. Just recognizing that is sometimes, it sometimes makes all the difference. If When you can look back to last Wednesday and I wish I would have said this and I wish I would have done that, uh, when you can realize, oh, wait a minute, that's the battle going on. That's the spirit trying to remodel my heart. Just the recognition of that sometimes helps a ton. Also rem remind yourself that both motives are present at the same time. A lot of people will look at Galatians 5 and they will say, you're either on one list or you're on the other. 
you're either on the dead list and you're doing all those terrible things that are come from working in the flesh, or you're in the spirit list and you're all loving and all peaceful. And I don't agree there because Paul says um, something different here. He uses the present tense in verse 17. He says this, these two ways of living, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want to do. Paul himself will put his own experience on the line and he will say, he will admit to his own struggles in Romans chapter seven. He'll say, the things I wanna do, I do not do. The things I hate, that's what I end up doing. And we're there with Paul, right? We can, we can identify with that. And so the flesh is always playing a part. It's always present. And the goal is to beat down the wrong motives that we have the part of us that wants to be under the law and lift up the right motives and let the spirit overwhelm us, overwhelm the flesh in us. And so at the end of the day, here's a great question. Which side won today? Who won the day? We are, as followers of Jesus, saved, so we win no matter what, right? We win at the end of, the day, of, of time, right? But today, did we win? When it comes to the fight, being under the law, the flesh, or walking by the spirit, who won? Number two, repent of the fear. We need to dig out the motive that we're operating from. That's verse 24. He says, um, we crucify the flesh, being under the law. We crucify it. We put it on the cross. One of the measures to use when asking who won the day is this question. Is there any anxiety or fear in my life? How anxious are you? How fearful are you? How afraid are you? Because those things always come out of a works-based motive. You know what's being said in your heart. And so I would encourage you to say what is being said in your heart back to God. You're the only one that knows really what's going on in your heart. And so would you speak from that place to God? Maybe a prayer would, would go something like this, to repent of the fear that is driving you. God, I see how much I want this thing. Maybe it's a new job. God, I see how much I want this new job. And, and I, I see that it's out of fear that I want this new job. I want to uh, win somebody's love or keep their respect. And if I don't get this new job, I think I'm gonna lose those things. And so my anxiety is, co is coming from forgetting the unwavering love and respect you have for me because of what Jesus has done in my life. And so regardless of whether I get the new job or not, forgive me and cleanse me of these wrong motives, God. That's a great prayer, right? To evaluate our motives throughout the day, every day, and repent of those motives of the flesh that are sometimes driving the decisions that we make. Number three, redirect your focus. Your failure is not the enemy. The enemy is failing to see the one who paid for your failure. Let me say that again. Your failure is not the enemy. The enemy is failing to see the one who paid for your failure. Remind yourself of the Spirit's job in your life. The Spirit's job in purpose is to come into your life and remind you of the promises of God. And so would you learn the promises of God? The Spirit's goal is to help you win the day. And the promise of God is that no matter what happens in Jesus, you are his child. You're no longer a slave under the law. You are free because of what Jesus has done for you. Let the Spirit remind you 
of that. And so we pray a prayer like this, Father, let me do this, let me say this, let me accomplish this for you, not for the success it may bring. And if I fail, let me not be worried or anxious about the failure since I already have all the recognition I need from you because of what Jesus has done. And if I succeed and all goes well, help me not to be derailed by my success, but help me to remember that I had help and it's a gift from you so that I can bless others. Operate out of that prayer. Redirect your focus and let that prayer and let scripture help you to live out the spirit side and walk by the spirit instead of the flesh. I'm gonna call the band up and... The result of walking this way by the Spirit who wants to help you grow is that the fruit of the Spirit will begin to more and more be evident in your life. There will be more love. There will be more peace. There will be more joy. Your call to action this week is to choose to fight. Choose to fight. Run through the outcomes list of a spirit-based life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I want you to identify all of those and I want you to identify the one that you're strongest at. You'll be better at one of those than all the others. Maybe you're more a person of peace than anything else. Great, celebrate that this week, celebrate that. Then read through that list again and pick out the one that you're weakest at. Oh, I don't, I don't know that I'm pretty, I don't know that I'm real gentle. Maybe I need to work on that one and begin to cultivate the one that you're weakest at. This fight is a good fight. So fight it well with the Spirit's help. Father, we thank you for the Spirit that you've allowed to live inside of us to help us become more and more like Jesus. Jesus was the most loving person ever. Jesus was the most peaceful person ever. He was the most joyful person ever. And if we can just begin to follow in his footsteps, oh, that will mean that we're walking by the Spirit and we are becoming more and more like Jesus. So help us to do that today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'd like you to stand. We're gonna sing a song. Maybe today you have never come to the point where you've accepted that spirit into your life. The way the spirit gets in your heart is I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And in faith, I'm going to be baptized. Acts 2.38 says, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's in the waters of baptism that this Holy Spirit comes and is a part of our life. If you've never done that today, you can come right now. You can also pull the card out in front of you, uh, the pew in front of you, and just write baptism. Write your information, just write baptism, and take it to the desk on your way out. Um, Don't leave here without the Holy Spirit being a part of your life because of what Jesus has done. Let's sing.